All right, be turning to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. This is uh, part three of uh, this four-part series that uh, that we started a couple of weeks ago. And uh, the last two weeks we've seen that, uh, that Jesus is a pretty complex guy, wasn't he? Pretty complex. Um, and this, this one verse that, that we've been looking at, verse 6, um, it, it, it unwraps so many layers of, of who Jesus is. Um, in, in the same breath, he's called a son. In the same breath, he's called a child, a wonderful counselor, mighty God. And today what we're going to do is we're going to peel back the layer and, and, and look at him as everlasting father. So a child, a son, a father, a child, a son, a father. Does that make sense? A child, a son, and a father. It almost seems like a contradiction, doesn't it? It does, but uh, Charles Spurgeon says that, um, that this text right here is a mighty marvel. That's what he calls it. Let, let me read you his quote. He said that uh, he who was an infant should at the same time be infinite. He who was a man of sorrows should also be God over all. And he who was the man, or, or and he who was in the divine trinity, always called the Son, should nevertheless be correctly called the everlasting Father. Mm. So, so it almost seems like a, a paradox, doesn't it? Uh, but, but really, it, it's it, here's what this text should do for us as we read it, as we study it. It should cause us to to carefully understand, or, or carefully, maybe not we, we we don't understand fully, but it, it should cause us to to carefully attack the verse uh, so in study so we can rightfully understand the person of Jesus. See, we should, we should never presume that we know anything. That's another thing uh, Spurgeon said. We should never presume we know anything. If we ever just glance at something, we should never presume we know anything. He said it's only when we dig into it from every available angle, using every possible resource available to us, can we then say we've even scratched the surface of knowing anything. So that's what we got to do is we got to dig into this because this is a this is a title that uh, that can kind of confuse us when we look at Jesus, the Son of God, being called the Everlasting Father. So glancing um, when we glance at Scripture, it's enough to. It's enough to save us, right? When we glance at, at Scripture, it's enough to save us. Uh, I don't want you to misunderstand that. But, uh, but what it is, patient and intentional meditation. Yeah. Patient and intentional meditation is, is really what it takes for us to take that new relationship that we have and make it an, an intimate relationship with Jesus and so there's some really and truly some really remarkable things hidden in, in Jesus, in his word. See, his word, it's plain. It speaks in, into us in a, in, a, in a very plain language. It's, it's plain enough and shallow enough that a five-year-old can understand it. But it's deep enough uh, that, that, uh, that theologians will spend their entire lives digging out treasures out of Scripture. And so that's what I want us to, to do today is dig. Because listen, if you're not committed to digging, then you're going to miss out on, on things that God has reserved for those who are willing to dig. Right. There are truths in his word that's only reserved for those who are willing to, to put the work boots on and the gloves on and, and get down on their hands and knees and dig. Right. 
And, and so that's what we're going to try to do this morning. And listen, you can't always rely on somebody else's digging. You know, I might be committed to digging, and you might come and listen when I preach, or Buffy's committed to digging, Kevin, anybody else committed to digging, Marty, and you come and listen to them when they teach, and you say, that's a good word, that's a good word. But you can't rely on their digging. You have to be committed to doing your own digging into the Word. And, and something else is the digging is only half of it. It's only half of it because you've also got to understand that these mysteries, these hidden things in the Word, are only going to be revealed by the Holy Spirit. They're only going to be revealed by the Holy Spirit. So what we're going to do today, even though I said we're going to dig, and we are going to dig, I'm going to attempt to, to, to give you some of what I dug out of the Scripture. We're still only going to glance over it because we don't have enough time to, to go over all of the treasure that's in this, that's in this text. This name, this this everlasting Father, it's it's difficult. It's a difficult name, and and there's a depth to it that we're never going to understand. There's a depth to it that we'll never be able to fathom. So so while we're going to dig into it today, um, there there there's there's some uh, there's some skimming of the surface that is really what's going to happen today. So so my prayer is is that what you get here today, what God gives you this morning. I pray that in your life, he multiplies it like he did when he fed the 5,000. Okay? So take it out of here and, and do your own digging. Okay? So uh, only God is going to be able to, to, to multiply it in your life. Because uh, I've, I've really and truly, with this text and this title, Everlasting Father, Buffy gave me the hardest one. It, this, this I've exhausted all my resources. I really have. And, and I've dug in, but the truth of it, only God's going to be able to reveal it to you. All right? So let's, let's stand. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Verse 7, there will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Amen. Let's pray. Father. Lord, I thank you for your word. Yeah. I thank you this morning for your, I thank you for your plan. That's what I truly thank you for, God. Because in your plan, I see perfection. Mm -hmm. Your plan was perfect from all the way back at the foundation of the world. When it was laid, there was no gap, no hole, no nothing in your plan but perfection. Everything that's happened over the course of history has happened because you set, set it forth and you set it in motion. And so you didn't send Jesus as a result of our, of, of, of our wretchedness. It was already known before the foundation of the world that the lamb would be slain. So Jesus was already always going to be sent. And so in this time of year when we come and we celebrate the birth of Christ, let us remember that his birth was always on your mind. His birth was always in your perfect plan. 
And Lord, as we tackle this text this morning, I pray that you multiply it in the lives of everybody here. I pray that you give them a vision of, uh, of what you meant when you called Jesus everlasting father. Lord, I pray that uh, and, and I pray that as your gospel is proclaimed this morning, that that you would regenerate dead hearts to life. If that be in your will, we love you. We give you all the honor, all the praise and all of the glory in the mighty and powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. So before we jump in, let me make something clear. When Jesus is referred to as everlasting father, in no way, shape, or form should we confuse that with the father, the first person of the Trinity. No way, shape, or form should we confuse that. And see, that's what was really confusing for me to wrap my head around when I began to study this. But, but as far as the Godhead goes, as far as the Trinity goes, Jesus is the son, and we cannot ever change that distinction, ever. The son is not the father, and the father is not the son. Right, but they are one God. All right, don't 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 let that confuse you, because I tell you something. Earlier this week, I had smoke coming out of my ears. Just just let me be the one that labored through that. Y'all just understand that the Son or the Father is not the Son, and the Son's not the Father. All right, and our text has no bearing, absolutely no bearing, on on position or titles of the three three persons of the Trinity with their regard to each other. All right, with their relation in regard to each other. In other words, it, it doesn't reflect the relation of the Trinity to itself. What it reflects is the relation of Jesus to us. Okay, does that make sense? So to us, he's what? What does the text say? He's an everlasting father. So Buffy did it a couple of weeks ago, and I'm going to do the same thing this morning. He took, and when he when he preached wonderful counselor, and he, he preached wonderful and counselor, he kind of broke those words up. I'm going to do the same thing this morning. So here's our first point that I want you to write down. Everlasting. Everlasting. This word, everlasting, it's uh, it's the Hebrew word hod. Hod. And what it means is continuous existence. Continuous existence. So always has and always will exist. That makes sense? Jesus was and is the same. He's not dead. He's not dead. He lives. And, and as the writer of, of Hebrews put it, he lives to make intercession for us, for his people. All right. So what he's done is he's, he's gone out of sight. We don't see him anymore. He's gone out of sight, but he's never ceased to exist. Because if he ceased to exist, we couldn't call him everlasting. Mm-hmm. So uh, now there's, there, there are a lot of aspects of our life that flow out of that. The flow out of Jesus being everlasting. There's a ton of things that we can talk about and look at uh, this morning. And one of those things is love. One of those things is love. See, if Jesus weren't everlasting, we ourselves could not love. You think about it. We could not love if Jesus weren't everlasting. We couldn't love him or we couldn't love each other. Not really. Not in the, not in the way that he intends, not in the scriptural, biblical way. Not that's real love. We couldn't, we wouldn't be able to do that because John says in First John, we love why? Because he first loved us, right? He first loved us, and he loved us from all of eternity, all all of eternity. He was there with the Father as the Redeemer, right? So we were chosen in him before the foundation of the world. So our election, our election is a picture of his eternal love. All right, his eternal love and his divine glory. So he always was. 
always was and he always is. That makes sense? That's the foundation of anything that can ever or will ever bring us any kind of comfort in our life. Let me say that again. That's the foundation of anything that will ever or can ever bring us any comfort in our life is the fact that Jesus always was and he always is. All right. He lives. So what? We live because he lives. We live. Right. And, and, and even better than that is something that 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 this is something that has no end to it ever. He always was. He always is. But listen, he always will be, yeah. too. Like I said, we, 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 we could call him everlasting. We could never call him everlasting if he was ever going to cease to exist at any point in time in his life or in our life. It ever, not just in, in life, but in general, if he was ever going to cease to exist, we could never call him everlasting. So no believer, no believer that has ever lived, if God spared your life to fulfill his purpose, no believer will have ever experienced Jesus ceasing to exist will never experience a loss of power in the blood of Christ. Does that make sense? Y'all follow me? Y'all look asleep. Y'all wait. All right. All right. So listen, if you ever, if you live to be a hundred years old and all you have is one battle left to fight in your life. And God's going to call you home. The hand of Christ will still be as strong then as it is the day he saves you. Yeah, that's right. All right. And, and, and that ain't all. See, listen, after your physical death takes you to heaven, guess what? Jesus is still going to live on. Right. You're going to live in heaven with him. He'll be there. And uh, you'll be in eternity with him. But he's still going to be here with all the people on the earth that's still living, that's still kicking, that's still breathing. He was, he is, and he always will be. Amen. And so if he was standing right up here right now, if he was standing right up here visible to you, see, we can't see him anymore. He's invisible. We don't see him. But if he was standing up here right now, would every one of you rush this stage and bow at his feet? Would you? Huh? You would? If I could move. I was going to say, I don't think I made it up there. If, if he was standing here and you could physically see him, would you come bow at his feet? Because, look, he's just as alive as, he, as, as if he was standing up here visible to you. And we're not bowing at his feet. He's everlasting. He's everlasting. Jesus is everlasting. All right, here's second point. He's also Father. And this is the one that confused me. He's everlasting, and he is the Father. But in what way is Jesus Father? Because, like I said, you can't confuse the fact... You can't confuse him with the first person of the Trinity. You can't confuse him with the Father. All right? So here it is. He's united as a Father representing all those who are in him. Just like the head of the tribe represents his descendants. All right? And so Paul sheds more light on it in 1 Corinthians 15. Y'all turn to 1 Corinthians 15. Corinthians 15 verse 45 so also it is written the first man Adam became a living soul the last Adam became a life giving spirit okay so Adam 
is the father of all living. Would you agree? Adam's the father of all living. He stood for us in the garden. Adam stood for us, and then he fell. He fell hard. He fell. He ruined us when he fell. He did. So he was the, the representative man by, by whose obedience we all should have been blessed. So we all should have been blessed by the obedience of Adam, but because of his disobedience, we've all been made sinners. That's what happened. The curse of the fall comes on every one of us, each and every one of us, because Adam stood in relation to us, right? He was the representative head for us. And when he fell, we all fell. We all fell. As text says, as scripture says, in Adam, we all die. In Adam, we all die. So since Adam, there's only been one other man in the history of human history to stand in relation to his people as father. Since Adam, there's only been one other person to ever stand as a representative man, as his father to his people. Now, some people would say Noah was the father of, of, of present people, of present race of people. And to a degree, maybe you can, you can see slightly a little bit of that argument because we all sprung from Noah, right? We all sprung from him, but God never had a covenant with Noah where Noah represented his posterity. God never had a covenant with Noah where there was there was no condition of obedience or disobedience on when Noah, uh, when it came to the people. All right. So the only other man who represented uh, who represented man, uh, men before God is the last Adam. It's Jesus. All right. Now, you might hear some people call him the second Adam, but he's the last Adam. If he's the second Adam, that means there could be a third or a fourth or a fifth. But he's not the second Adam. He's the last Adam. All right. And so, see, we call we call Adam father in our lost state. Right? Adam's our father when we're lost, and we were cast out of the garden because of him. All right. But those of us who've been saved, those of us who are who are children of God, those of us who have believed that the last Adam, Jesus, we call him father. We call him father. So he opens the gates to paradise for us. Adam cast us out of the garden. God has cast out of the garden, but, but Jesus, he's the father that opens the gates to paradise for us. See, he's taken all, he's taken, uh, we, we enter into his rest because he's, he's taken our sickness, he's taken all of our pain, and he's overcome death himself. And all of those who believe shall, shall, will, will never, ever, 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 ever die. We'll just pass out of this world and into eternity. That makes sense? All right. So here's the big question. Are you still under the old covenant? Are you still trying to do things to please God? Are you trying to follow the law? Are you trying to, to be good enough for God? If you are, then Adam's still your father. And under Adam, we all die. All right, but if you but if you're under grace, then Jesus is your Father, and in Christ, all shall be made alive. That's what it says. So, generation, generations, that generation makes us sons of Adam, right? Generation makes us sons of Adam, but regeneration yeah. acknowledges us as sons of Christ. Mm-hmm. All right. So, in our physical birth, we're under the the fatherhood of the uh, of the fallen one. 
right? In our physical birth, when we're all born, we're under the fatherhood of Adam. We're under the father, the fatherhood of the fallen one. But in our rebirth, we're under the fatherhood of the innocent and perfect one. That should make us all stand up and shout. Man. So in our physical birth, when we're originally born, what we do is we wear the image of the world. We are the, wear the image of this world, of the flesh. But in our rebirth, we receive the image of heaven. So, so through our relation to Adam, what are we? Corrupt. Through our relation to Adam, we're corrupt, we're weak, and, and, and we're going to go into the grave with dishonor. If we're, if we're going to the grave still in our sin. But, but when we come under the domain of Jesus, we're cleansed by his blood. We're strengthened. We receive new hearts, new natures, and a spirit. And, and because of that, our body will rise again. Man. So in that sense, that's the sense that Jesus is called Father. That's the sense that he's called Father because the covenant of grace is really older than the covenant of works. So Jesus is the everlasting Father. He's the everlasting Father, not Adam, because the law, the covenant of works, passes away. It passes away and it was because it was fulfilled in Christ. It was fulfilled in Christ and grace, grace will never, ever, ever, ever pass away. Mm. So the second way Jesus is a father is uh, he's, a, he's a father in, in the sense of being founder. All right, He's a father in the sense of being a founder. So what's that mean? Well, when you study the Old Testament, all through the Old Testament, several people, you'll find people called father of things. The father of things. Uh, Jabal in Genesis 4 and, and, and others called father. And, and that was a cultural thing. If you invented something, if you if you uh, came up with something, then then in that sense you were called the father of whatever you invented. And so Jesus, in that sense, is called father because Jesus is the father who brought life to the world. He brought light to the world. He introduced this new phase of worship to the world. Right? He's the father of Christians. He's the father of Christianity. He is. Jesus introduced so much of what we now live by. So much of what we now live by was introduced by Jesus. He's the one who first spoke. He's the one that first spoke of grace over law. He's the one that first spoke that. He's he's the one that first taught about regeneration being being a a work of the spirit. In John chapter three, he first taught us about perseverance. So Jesus is the father of uh, He's the father as a founder, right? But he's also the, fa- the father of a, of a practical system. He's the father of a practical system. What does that mean? Well, what that means is that, that prior to his coming, how did people live? Prior to his coming, how did people live? They, they, live, they live by the eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth mentality, didn't they? That's how they live. But he came and he said, don't repay evil with evil. <clears throat> Don't repay evil with evil. Turn the other cheek. He said, if a man suffers with patience and returns good for evil, that man is a child of Christ. All right. So, so he's the father of the practical system. He's the, he's the father also of um, of salvation. He's the father of salvation. Ephesians two, Paul said that for by grace you're saved through faith, through faith. So the grace of God through faith in Jesus. Salvation comes no other way but by Jesus, 
right? So, so in these ways, Jesus is Father, right? He's everlasting. He's Father. And uh, he's a, uh, here's the last thing that I want us to see. He's everlasting. He's Father. But he's also everlasting Father. All right? So he's everlasting. He's Father. And he's everlasting Father. And, and I kind of explained this a little bit. But, but Jesus is called everlasting father because he but 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 he himself is not father the father right but he is everlasting father why because he never died and he will never vacate his office ever he's the head and the father of his people he's the founder of the gospel and of the christian system so there's no there's no archbishops there's no, uh, there's no uh, popes. There's none of that that stands in his place, right? Jesus is the high priest. He is the high priest. He is, he is the, the life giver, the true life giver. And so it's by his wounds that we're saved, right? And by his blood that we're cleansed. So he's the, he's the loving head of his family. All right, that's what eternal father is. In every sense, he lives, he lives as as a father. So, as a father, he he neither, he neither dies, and he, he doesn't lose his children. So he neither dies nor does he lose his children. Amen. So uh, that's that's a, that's a big statement right there. He neither dies nor does he ever lose his children. So, and he, and I want you to to remember that if the, if if he could lose his children, if the church could perish. He wouldn't be father. If the church could perish, he wouldn't be father. But he is father. He's everlasting father. So so if you've ever entered into that relationship, then you're his child and you're his child forever. Forever. There's no possible way that Jesus can 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 ever there's no possible way for Jesus to ever be unfathered himself, right? There's no possible way for him to ever be unfathered, and there's no way that you will ever be orphaned. He will never orphan you. If he is your father now, he is your father forever, for all of eternity. He's forever a father to those who trust him. And and, and he never does at any moment cease to be a father to anybody that's ever trusted him. So some of you may have walked in here today with trouble in your life. Some of you may have walked in here uh, with, with a little bit of doubt or uncertainty or, or fear in your life. You may be even battling some depression or, or something like that. But listen to me. Don't just hear, the, hear these words. Understand what I'm about to say. You may have problems, but Jesus is still your father. He's still your father, no matter what your circumstances are. If you're a child of God, he is your father. And a true father never ceases. If he's father at all, then he's the father of all. Right? If he's father at all, he's father of all. He never stops loving or having compassion for his children. Ever. Ever. And, and, and another thing I want to mention uh, again is that, and I kind of touched on it already a little bit, but, but Jesus is the founder and author of the, of the, uh, of the eternal system. Right, he is the founder, founder and the author of the eternal system. So, when you look at those words, everlasting Father, when you look at those words, what you can have is is full, final assurance that he is the founder of your faith, the father of Christianity. Meaning, Christianity will never ever die out. 
Now, now and, and we use this illustration a lot, uh, especially overseas. Uh, when, when you go and we train pastors, uh, we'll say that, that Christianity is just one generation away from being extinct. And there's some truth in that. There's some truth in that statement that, that Christianity is. In the overall sense, if, if we aren't making disciples and leading people to Christ, then Christianity could stop with our generation, right? There's some truth to that. But here's the bottom line. It's impossible. That's right. It's absolutely impossible. Jesus is the everlasting Father. He's fully sovereign. He's fully sovereign. So just because something can happen doesn't mean that it will. He wouldn't be everlasting if it could. So Christianity will never die out because he won't, he'll see to it that it doesn't. He, his sovereign will will happen, and Christianity is never going to die. So um, let me wrap this up. I know this is short for me, but uh, I only went 30 minutes. I hadn't gone an hour. So let, let me wrap this up. I want to ask you this question, and I want you to think about this. Is Jesus Christ the everlasting Father to you? Is he the everlasting Father to you? If you answer yes, then let me say this. Let me ask you this. What basis do you say that? On what basis do you say that he is your everlasting father? What evidence in your life do you have that Jesus is your father? So it's, a, it's an honest question. It's an honest question you should be able to answer. Jesus is your father. Why? Why is he your father? What? Here's what a, chi- here's what, what a child does. A child displays the traits of his father. What traits of Jesus do you display in your life? What traits of Jesus are you displaying in your life? When was the moment that you were rebirthed? When was the moment you were rebirthed? Can you articulate that story? Can you tell someone when God came into your life? Can you, everybody in this room right now, if I was to ask you to walk down here right near now and give me a testimony of, of what your life looked like before Christ and what your life looks like right now with Christ, could you do it? Can you do it? If you can't, and there's no difference in the type of life that you were living before Christ and the type of life that you're living now, then I would question who your father really is. Because if, if Jesus is your father, if he's truly your father, then you're not going to continue to display the traits of Adam. You're not going to continue doing the things that you were doing before. Mm-hmm. Laughing at the jokes you were laughing at before. Yeah. Telling the stories you were telling before. Hanging out with the people you were hanging out with before. Doing the drugs that you were doing before, drinking the alcohol you were drinking before, looking at the pictures you were looking at before. You're not going to continue to do those things if Jesus is your father. It is impossible. You might fall and fail, but conviction will then take over. So if you cannot articulate a difference in your life of how you were living before Christ and how you're living now, then I would ask you to question who your father really is. It's in, I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it's possible that Adam's still your father. And remember, remember, Adam was a failure. Adam was a failure. Jesus will not save you. 
He will not advocate for you. He will not intercede for you. He did not die for you, bleed for you, for you to continue living with the traits of Adam. He didn't do it. He saves you, and then he makes you like himself. His reputation's on the line, and he's serious about it. He's serious about it. He conforms you into his likeness. And his, like I said, his reputation's at stake. His name is at stake. So if he saved you, you think he saved you, you think he's your father, and you're continuing to live like Adam. I would, I would, I would question it. I would, because like I said, he's not going to do that. He's not going to save you and allow you to continue living like Adam and profane his name. If you're still living like the world, then, then Christ is not your everlasting father. He's not. So I want you to think about that as we pray. As we pray and wrap this up, I want you to think about that because we'll give an invitation in just a moment. And, and if there's something you that you need to make right, if there's if there's a uh, or if there's something you need to make sure of, we're, we're going to have give you a chance to come down and we can have a conversation about it. All right, let's pray. Father, Lord, I love you, and Lord, I thank you for for who you are. Every title that you're given in Scripture, God, I stand in awe of. Especially Everlasting Father. Because in that title, we know that you will never leave us nor forsake us. You will always be there with us. We always have an advocate in you. Lord, that's something to be joyful about. That's something to, to to scream at the top of the mountains. Lord, this time of year we, we, we reflect on the birth of Christ and it's such a good thing to do. But God, I want us to not only reflect on the birth of Jesus, I want to reflect on the eternal nature and the everlasting nature of Christ. Because you weren't just born, God. You died and you raised again and you stand and live forever. So let not this be about a birth only. But let it be about eternity. God, we love you. We thank you. And God, I ask you now for your Holy Spirit to go to work as your gospel is proclaimed. In the powerful and mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, let me ask you, is, is Jesus an everlasting father? Is he, uh, is he your everlasting father? See, there are other fathers. There's your physical father. You know, there's your physical father. The Jews called Abraham father, right? And we talked about Adam. If you're relying on your good works, if you're, uh, when you die, that you've done more good than bad, then Adam is still your father. And again, like I said, Adam was driven out of paradise. And, and if he's your father, you'll never be admitted to paradise. You'll never gain admission if Adam is your father. But the everlasting father, Jesus, the Lord, Jesus Christ, the everlasting father is the only father who can cleanse you. He is the only one who can take the sin from your life. The only one. He was sent to this world to be born of a virgin and to live a perfect, sinless life. And that's exactly what he did. That's exactly what he did. He went to the cross to be sacrificed 
for the sake of every person who would ever believe in him. And three days later, God raised him from that grave. Three days later, God raised him from the dead. And right now, today, he sits at the right hand of the Father. He sits. When do you sit? When something's finished. He sits at the right hand of the Father because it is finished. There's nothing you can do or you will ever be able to do to gain salvation or to, to, to satisfy God because Jesus has already done that at the cross. He satisfied the wrath of God. It's finished. He sits at the right hand of the Father. He sits there and he intercedes for his people. So I'll say that, that if he is not your father, if you are still living with the traits of Adam, come to him. Call out on his name. Call out on his name. Call out on the name of the everlasting father. Ask him to save you. And he will. He will. As we have this time of invitation, if, if you are... Uh, if you feel like the Lord is drawing you, come on, let's have, let, just, just respond at this time. We'll have a conversation about it. We'll talk about it. If you've been visiting with us and you feel like the Lord is leading your family here to Crossway, to membership, then we'll have a conversation about that too. Or if, you've, uh, if you follow, if you believe that you are a child of God, but you've never followed through with believer's baptism, you can respond at this time too. If you, if you want to come to the altar and pray or you want one of us to pray with you, we'll be happy to do that. But however the Holy Spirit is leading you, I'd ask you to respond now. To respond now.